0: If you have your Bibles, will you turn please to the Gospel of John, chapter 19, John chapter 19, beginning to read at verse 38, John 19, 38, and for those who are visiting with us during our communion service, which is held once a month. We've been looking at the groups around the cross. There are some wonderful, wonderful messages to be gotten from that event, the crowd, the religious crowd, the centurion, the thief on the cross. This morning we're looking at a man called Joseph. And as I contemplated the message, the only suitable title for the message in the life of Joseph and we shall see Nicodemus, is ashamed of being ashamed. Ashamed of being ashamed. Being ashamed came to an end at a certain point. And it is like saying in the way in which Joseph gave up his secrecy as a disciple was that he was tired of being ashamed, and he was ashamed of that. Please listen as I read the text. John nineteen, thirty-eight. the Word of God. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple but a secret one for fear of the Jews, Asked Pilate that he would take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who at first had come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes and and a hundred-pound weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one yet had lain. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparations, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And Father, open our understanding to this text. May we receive from your word instruction for our lives in the event that any of us is ashamed of Jesus Christ. I pray that this word this morning may bring freedom to us to make known the riches of his grace by our words and by our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. ashamed of being ashamed I thought as I even when I was uh, down in Medford this past week even though I was with my family we were talking about things my mind was just racing with this text and how do I prepare it how what do I say so that people will get the message of God from this text why is this in the Bible why, why are we told about Joseph? Well, we shall see that the Bible wastes nothing. God has a purpose. He has a design, and He wants us not only to, to know it, but to experience it. To know in our lives that in the 21st century, God still speaks. God still Puts his hand on a man or a woman, a young man or a young, young woman, and he says to them, I want you for a certain purpose, as we shall see how this works this morning. I begin the message by talking about the embarrassment of Joseph. The embarrassment of Joseph. What do I mean by that? Let's go with me, please. Turn to Luke chapter 23. In Luke chapter 23, we have more information given to us about Joseph, and this is one of the beauties of the Bible. Four Gospels, but each one looking at a certain thing from a different position. Luke chapter 23, verses 50 and 51. Listen to the testimony that Joseph had. And a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, he had not consented to the plans and action that is to crucify Christ. This incident took place just before Christ was crucified. But he was, he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Look at his testimony. We, 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 When we, when we think of Joseph, we're thinking of one that anybody would like to have his reputation. He was known as a good man. In in the Greek, the idea of being good is to have a character that was useful, a character that was acceptable, a character that was received by others. You know, I can think of of of, of times and and. Uh, when my mother wished I had somebody else's character. <laughs> I, I was a pain to that dear lady. I'm, I'm amazed that she lived until 91 <laughs> with me as her son. But then I remember the day when my life was changed and I became what I wasn't before. And after th- after that people started to say I think Winston is his mother's favorite child. (laughs) And you know, my mother, six of us, says, no, I love them all the same. No, I don't know that I was ever her favorite child. But my life was changed so that that I, I became a person that was useful. I was not useful before. Joseph is described as a good man with a character that was desirable, a disposition that was envied and then it says he was a just man now the word just in, in, in the text of scripture is always a legal term it, it is not saying that someone is fair the word just comes from the idea of someone being justified and therefore they are now just You will find this in Luke chapter 18, verses 13. Listen to it. Jesus was speaking a parable, and he spoke to them about two men who went up to the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other one a collector of taxes. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself to God. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. And he went on to say what he wanted to say. And then the publican said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man went home justified. It is it's a term where someone declares you to be in right standing with someone else, someone who has the authority, someone who has the power, someone who can sentence you to a destiny you wouldn't want, Joseph was a man who was not only good, he was good because he was just. And he was just because he was justified. In other words, my friends, let me suggest to you something. You and I must be very careful that we are not simply Christians by words. That we are Christians by conduct. That people can look at our lives And they can say there is something about that man, something about that woman that is unique. It isn't something I find in every young man or every young woman, in every husband or in every wife. Joseph had a testimony that when he went to work, he was so accepted that he became a part of the council. You couldn't be a part of the council unless you had a reputation that was acceptable to other members of the council. So everyone who was a member of the council, known as the Sanhedrin, this was the, the highest authority that sentenced people, as you shall see later on. Joseph was accepted. And how do I know this? In verse 51, it said he was waiting for the kingdom of God. That is a euphemism for one who is looking for the coming of the Messiah. That's the testimony of the man. But I want you to see, my friends, that Joseph also lived in terror. He had a testimony. And when the Jews were making not so much fun of Jesus, but declaring things of Jesus that weren't true, Joseph did not consent, but he was mummed. He couldn't speak. John 19, verse 38 said, He was a secret disciple. <laughs> he was a secret disciple. In other words, he had the behavior. He had the conduct. But his peers didn't know why. He never spoke about his faith. They accepted his, his behavior but when they were, they were saying things of Jesus, he didn't consent, he just kept quiet. He was, he was terrorized, says John. He was fearing, he lived, he, he, he couldn't speak of Jesus the way he really believed in Jesus because he was afraid of what might happen to him, what he might experience. And is, isn't that true about you and me at, in our lives? We, we feel safe this morning. We're in this place where we're with friends. And we're singing the songs that Christians sing. And we're listening to someone speaking about Jesus. And we feel okay. But what about Monday morning? What about Tuesday morning when you go to work? When your friends ask you about... What did you do for the weekend? Does it include that I went to church to hear about Jesus? We are, we are paralyzed because we think of what people will think about us and what people think about us become the, the paralyzing experience we have that we either keep quiet or we excuse ourselves. Luke nine twenty six, Jesus said, I am troubled by these words. I'm saying this about myself. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. Whoever is ashamed of me. Joseph could not bring himself to talk about Jesus between Saturdays because for him, being a Jew, it was a Sabbath day. Just like you and I cannot bring ourselves to share our faith when we hear people say certain things that we know are not biblical. Uh, Here here is one. Here is one. The Bible has a lot of errors. Have you heard that one? The Bible contradicts itself. Have you heard that one? Uh, I'll I'll never forget. I, I was back in Canada at the time. And it was a Monday morning. And in, in this one place where I lived, pastors get to play golf free on Monday morning. So I decided I'd go play golf on a Monday morning. And uh, there were the two of us, a guy from the church and myself, and we were joined by two other guys, uh, about the fifth or sixth holes, I think. don't remember just where, but we were beyond two or three holes. And so as we went on, to to, to talk, it just came up, what do you do, what do you do, what do you do? And, of course, it came to me, what do you do? (laughs) And I said, uh, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) Have you seen that one? My boss is a Jewish carpenter? (laughs) I said, I'm a minister. And when I said that, the guy just about swallowed his tongue. He said, why didn't you tell? I said, no one asked me until now. See, he felt I would have behaved differently if I knew you were. Listen, perhaps Joseph needed the right environment for him to speak. But listen, friends, if you live in this world As a believer, as a Christian, you will always be in the place where you are terrorized for your faith. It is happening today all over. All over. We cannot speak of Jesus Christ as the Savior. We can talk about him as a good man. We can talk about him as a philanthropist. But never talk about Jesus as a Savior because we do not want to talk about someone who tells us about our own spiritual needs. Joseph was in terror. But listen, friends, he watched. He was closer to the cross than some of the disciples who followed Jesus. And I don't know if he heard some of the words that Jesus spoke from the cross when he cried, my God, my God, Why hast thou forsaken me? When he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. When the thief asked him to remember him, and he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. I don't know if Joseph heard that, but something happened to Joseph at the cross that changed his entire life. And I ask you this morning, you and I come to the table. This bread speaks about Christ's body broken for us. That means he gave his life for us. In his own body, in the tree, he bore the cross. The cup speaks of his blood that was shed for us. And we come month after month after month after month, and I ask the question, has anything happened to you in the months that you have been coming to the table? something happened to, jo- to Joseph at the cross. This speaks about the cross. This speaks about the crucifixion of Christ. Joseph was transformed. He stopped being ashamed when he was confronted by the death of Jesus Christ. It changed his life. Therefore, we go now to the emancipation. And I use that word deliberately because the word emancipate means to set free. To be emancipated means that I'm not restricted. I haven't anything that is holding me in controlling my life. Look at the ground for for his emancipation. The death of Christ was that which caused Joseph to be transformed I like what St. Paul said in in Galatians 2.20. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm living a different life. I'm not the same person. I'm a new person. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. The death of Christ brought something that was not true before. If you look at Mark chapter 15, verse 43, you'll find these words. And Joseph gathered up courage. Joseph gathered up courage. If you look in Esther chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, Esther gathered up courage. Please listen to me. To be a follower of Jesus Christ as God intends us to be will not always be easy. Will not always be easy. I come from Canada, as you know. And for those of you who are used to hockey, one of Canada's greatest hockey player is Wayne Gretzky. And when Wayne Gretzky was four, his father would have him at the back of the house on skates, teaching him the game at four years old, getting up at six o'clock in the morning. And Wayne developed a love for hockey that made him one of the greatest hockey players in the world, in history. He would never have made it had he given up halfway. For most of us, for most of us, when we consider the cost of following Jesus Christ is when we begin to struggle. Because we we, we think, "If if I receive Jesus, do I have to give up my friends? Does it mean that I can't go here or do this? And you know, friends, I tell you, the the scripture says that when we come to Jesus Christ, it's like a tree shedding off some of the unwanted leaves. (laughs) I have told you this, and please forgive me for repeating it. When I became a Christian, nobody told me what I couldn't do. I just lost the desire to do them. Nobody said, Winston, you can't go here or do this or do that. Joseph was emancipated and he said, I can no longer be ashamed of speaking about Christ in public. I will not privatize my faith. He's not going about telling people, look, I'm a Christian. No, no. He's still, my friends, now he's able to tell his contemporaries why he was a good man. What made him what he was. He wasn't ashamed any longer. And so here we see this, this, this ground for the emancipation is that he asks God for courage. And you need it and I need it. Even as a pastor, I go to places and people say things and I have to say, God, give me courage to stand, not to be embarrassed, not to be ashamed. How will they know that there's an alternative to what they're doing unless I tell them? unless I share with them. The ground for his emancipation is that having been justified, he needed to grow within his faith and he developed courage. Courage. But if you look in the text, if you look in the text, you'll find that When Joseph went to Pilate and he asked for the body, the text tells us that Jesus was laid in the tomb that belonged to Joseph. I'm just going to say one thing about that tomb because I want to end with the last part of verse 39 in chapter 19. In that tomb, way back 750 years before, God said how His Son was going to die and what kind of a grave He was going to be put in. That is called prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 8 and 9, Jesus was condemned in verse 8, and God predicted His burial in verse 9 of Isaiah. And so, when Joseph put Jesus into that tomb, he was fulfilling prophecy. He was doing. God had a purpose for his life and his possession. So that, so that, little did he know that two thousand years after, in a little town called Sodaville that someone will be speaking about what he did. My friends, you cannot tell what your life will benefit someone else until you obey the one who calls you to obey him. Joseph didn't know that. All he knew he said he was going to put Jesus in the tomb. But did he realize that when God spoke of the death of his son, you see what happened? Please listen the Jews would not allow the body to stay on the cross because it was preparation day before the Sabbath. So they had to take that body down. The Romans didn't mind the body staying up on the cross because the body would deteriorate right there before the eyes of people and it would say to them, this is your fate if you try to overthrow the Roman, the Roman government. So there's more than, than meets the eye here. Please listen. The scripture says that God would not allow his son to decay in death. If he had stayed on the cross, he would have decayed. The Jews had a special place for criminals... That they had to take off the cross before the Sabbath day. And if they had taken Jesus off the cross, they would have thrown him in with common criminals. Either way, it was wrong. Because God had predicted 750 years before, not only how his son would die, but how his son would be buried. That's the glory of the Scriptures. The glory of the Scriptures. Let me quickly go to what I call the grand of the emancipation. Go with me, please, to John chapter 19 as we come to the close. John 19, 39. I, I love this. Here was the courage of Joseph. And we're told in John 3 that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and there are all kinds of speculation as to why he chose night. The best, I believe, is that he didn't want to be seen. But in the death of Christ, and in Joseph no longer wanted to be ashamed, somehow we're not told how, Nicodemus came also. No longer a secret disciple. Joseph was afraid of his contemporaries. At the cross, he was delivered from his fear. Joseph was used by God to influence Nicodemus, just as he will use you to influence others when you obey him. There might be people who are held hostage, mentally, spiritually, but your freedom becomes... Their gateway to their freedom. We don't know anything about Nicodemus from John chapter 3 until we get to John chapter 19 and we're told in John chapter 19, Nicodemus also came. Uh, look, look, I want you to, to, to gather with me, verses 39 and 40. When they came, they took the body down. These two secret disciples are looking into the face of God, dripping with blood. Think about it, friends. They had to take that body down. But they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. And they had to lay the body on the ground. I don't know if they were out, the soldiers were watching. I don't know. They had to remove the nails from his hands. They had to remove the nails from his feet. They had to remove the crown from his head. They had to do something about the spear that went into his side. But with every act for the Son of God, I could hear the prayers of Joseph. I will no longer be ashamed. For if he wore a crown for me, that one day I might wear a crown with him. Why would I be ashamed of that? As I drew, as I dried his face, I could hear Joseph saying, how thankful I am that the blood from his face is the means by which my sins are forgiven. And should I be ashamed of his blood? And as he pulled the nails out of his hands, I could hear Joseph saying, it was my sin that nailed him there. And should I be ashamed of his nails? Each point, Nicodemus brought something like 75 pounds of ointment. Can you imagine dragging that? They didn't have what we have today. But he brought that anointing for the Lord's body, and they laid him in a tomb. Listen, listen, friends, in closing, Paul was so moved by this that in Romans 1.16 he writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I ask you this morning, as we come to the close of our service, are you ashamed of him? Are there things and are there people who can mum you, paralyze you, make you unafraid to speak his name? Think of what he went through. Allow the the scene of the cross, the removing of the thorns, the removing of the nails, the dripping of the blood, the wiping of the body to say, If Jesus Christ be God and gave himself for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me to make for him. I will stop being ashamed. And I'm ashamed that I ever was. I close with a song I learned in college. Thought it was appropriate. Ashamed of Jesus... Soon afar, let evening blush to own a star. He shed the beams of light divine. O'er this benighted soul of mine, ashamed of that? Ashamed of Jesus, that dear friend, on whom my hopes in heaven depends? No, when I blush, be this my shame, that I no more revere his name. Ashamed of Jesus, yes, I may, when I've no guilt to wash away my sins, no tears to wipe, no good to crave, no fear to quell my soul to save. Till then, till then, nor is my boasting vain. Till then, I boast a Savior slain, and all may this my glory be that Christ will never be ashamed of me. Are you ashamed? This is what the table is all about this morning. I drink because he shed his blood. I eat because in his body he bore my sins. And may we from this day, my friends, commit ourselves to Jesus Christ that we will never have to be ashamed may sh- ashamed shamefacedness Come to an end this morning. Let us pray. Gracious God, may your spirit complete the work that has been started here this morning. I pray that if one disciple is a secret disciple, that that disciple will be secret no more. That their love for Jesus Christ will be such that all oh God. They will want to make it known when the opportunity comes. Help us not to be ashamed to let others know why we are what we are. Because Jesus Christ was not ashamed to come and die and shed his blood for us. We thank you in his name. Amen.